Thanks for that reading, Joseph. And Mark, you almost made it out okay. The light just came on in the nick of time. Sorry about that. And I did hear Mark, and it is on the recording, that any topic is good. He said that tonight, and so I'll hold him to that if he ever complains about the sermon. He said any topic is good. Well, tonight, I don't want to just wear out these bedsheet sermons, but I saw this one, and it was so clever, and I thought had so many good points that we take a minute to look at it tonight, and I thought the kids might enjoy the drawing, and it does a really good job of, of defining the way that we are to live our lives and, and the people that we'll encounter as we live these lives. So I printed it out for you so you can see it there. I'm going to try and zoom around here. Yeah, I can zoom here uh, and so you can see the writing a little bit better on the screen. Uh, as we talk tonight about the Christian race and, um, and what our life is to be, and the people that we're going to encounter as we do run that race. Joseph read for us, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 26, about the fact that we are running a race. And as you think about running a race, you think about it, it brings a lot of good images to mind, and we're going to come upon some here as we look at the lesson tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, is a passage that we'll look at again in the middle, a minute, but it really does capture the essence of what the preacher has drawn here on the screen. Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we're running a race in the presence of, uh, of an audience, witnesses. We're running this race. The next passage there up on the title is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, and it says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're to fight the good fight of faith. You'll see 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 is up there again. That's an uh, old-fashioned typo. Uh, there's a couple options for that that I see, and there might be some others. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19 tells us that we are to store up for, store for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life, that idea of laying hold of, of reaching the goal, laying hold of eternal life. You could also use 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 for this passage. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 talks about waging the good warfare. So we're in a fight, we're in a race, we're trying to lay hold of our goal, and then finally, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, notice what Paul says about his race. He says, Acts 20, verse 24, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was trying to finish his race. So we're running a race. And over and over again, the Scriptures teach us about running this race. Now, I have to ask you, does this harmonize with what many in the religious world are teaching today about once you're a Christian, you're always a Christian, you don't have to worry about it, your ticket's punched. You have eternal life that can't be revoked. That it doesn't matter how you live, once you're a Christian, everything's fine. We've had even correspondence with some folks as a result of our billboard who want to teach this, and it's not true, right? Paul is very diligent about running the race. 
He says we in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, says we need to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Over and over again, the scriptures talk about this idea of a race or a struggle. As we strive to live a life that's pleasing God, the devil's not going to give up on us just because we become Christians. We've got to keep on keeping on. And so you have the idea of a race. You have an idea of this Colosseum here. But there's a lot of folks on the outside, and the, the preacher has put in several different scenarios of people that are on the outside who aren't running the race. Up in the upper left-hand corner, uh, you see a guy, and it's not, and I noticed on the printout that it got cut off. On the far left there is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And I believe uh, it, he's saying glub, glub or something. It looks like he's drinking alcohol there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 talks about those who are engaged in the works of the flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 beginning. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And there's some folks that are on the outside of the race. They're not running the race. They're not interested in running the race. They're interested in fulfilling the lust of the flesh, doing what they want to do. And they're not, in, they're not running at all. There's also, next to them, you see the guy who says, Am I my brother's keeper? He references there uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, where Cain, after he killed Abel, he uh, was asked of God, where's your brother? And he says, I don't know. I'm, am I my brother's keeper? And Cain represents, I believe, those who are not sincere and just don't care. They don't care about serving God. They have a flippant attitude. They're not sincere. They don't care about serving God. They're going to be outside of the race. They're not running. And on the other side there, you see a man in a tie hat. And in his, above him it says, not in my class. Well, I guess back when this, this sermon was preached, maybe professors wore top hats and carried canes around. But I think this represents a college professor or the intellectual and the proud. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Today, where people think that we are now more intelligent than the Bible, that we know better, that we've evolved beyond the Bible, and we don't need that anymore. We've evolved a lot, uh, they say, and we're so intellectually advanced, but we don't even know what a boy and a girl is anymore. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. If we get lifted up in pride, whatever it may be, about our intellectual capabilities, about our social standing or economic standing, that pride will hinder us from being what God wants us to be. And this represents those people here, I believe, that are outside. They're not running the race because they think they're too good. They don't need God. Down in the lower left-hand corner, in the lower left-hand corner, you see a man who's got a lot of other things going on down here. And he says it's just as good outside. There are some folks who don't see any need for religion. They think it's just as good outside. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul talks about this. The idea that what we're trying to do as Christians is going to seem sort of foolish to some folks. People are going to laugh and sneer and say, what's the big deal? And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For since the wisdom of God... The world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 
seems foolish to a lot of people. And it'll seem foolish to people that we try to teach the gospel to today. They're going to say, I, what's the big deal? Why are you interested in serving God? I don't get it. And we need to be prepared for that. Those people obviously aren't going to be interested in running the race because it's going to be work, it's going to be effort. They're not going to do that. In the upper right-hand corner, in the upper right-hand corner, you see a man there who says above his head, I don't know if you can read it on your sheet, it says, Lord, Lord. This man is saying, Lord, Lord. And the passages referenced by it are Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I realize that's probably pretty tiny. So if you're taking notes, you can scribble that on your drawings. He's not running, but he thinks he is. And why is that? Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So a lot of people are going to say, Lord, Lord, or be claiming to serve Jesus, but they're not. Why? Because they're not doing His will. They're doing their will. They're doing what they want. And then on the other side of the man is Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke 6, verse 46 says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You know, a lot of people are claiming to be followers of Christ, but they're ignoring what he said. They're making up their own way. And Jesus says, it doesn't work like that. A Lord is a master. You do what the Lord says. And Jesus says, why are you calling me Lord if you're not going to obey me? If you're not going to obey me, if you're not going to do the things I said to do in the way that I said to do them, you're outside here. You're not running the race like you think you are. And then down at the bottom, at the bottom of your drawing, you see there's a guy down here with a really long neck, and above him it says, such Christians. And that represents, look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. That represents people who are going to be watching us. They're not in the race. They're not really interested in being in the race. In fact, they might be some of those folks who would sneer and jeer about us running the race. But they're going to look at us and say, wow, look at them. There's something about them, something about them that's unusual. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And so there are going to be people that are on the outside looking in. And Peter says, when they look in and see you running the race, make sure that you're running it like you should. So they can look at that and say, you know what, there's something about them that isn't exact, that shows that I'm not exactly what I need to be. And so you got the guy here who's looking in. To the right of him, you've got a guy who looks like he's trying to climb the wall to get into the race. And beside him, you have uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11. You've got to go back in your Old Testament history to learn about this in the period of the divided kingdom. We, uh, Naaman uh, becomes furious, it says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11, because he's gone to be, uh, to be treated of his leprosy, and he's told to, told to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11, Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself... He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. The King James Version says, Behold, I thought. Naaman had it figured out as to how he could be 
saved from his physical ailment. And he didn't like it when he was given instructions that didn't jive with what he wanted to do. Naaman represents those who would want to do it their way, what they think is right, what they think is good. In John chapter 10, verse 1 is the next passage down there. It's hard to read, but John chapter 10, verse 1 is talking about false teachers, but it's representative of any who would try to make up their own way, to enter the race their own way, not following the instructions that Jesus has said. In John chapter 10, verse 1. John chapter 10, verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So the false teacher who tried to get in doing his own thing is represented here by the guy climbing the wall as well. And then we have one guy over here who's hugging the wall. And above his head, I don't know if you can read that, it says, I lean that way. He wants to get real close to the race. He'd like to be in it maybe, but he's unwilling to commit. He's unwilling to commit. He doesn't want to pay the price. He, he leans on chapter 20, but he's not willing to pay the price to, pay, to run the race. Look at John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, verse 42. John 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Here's some people who knew what they needed to do, but they weren't willing to pay the price. You don't get in the race that way, do you? Knowing what you need to do, not willing to confess him, not willing to take a stand, you're outside. You may think that you're pretty close and you're okay, but they're not. you're not okay if you're not willing to pay the price. And so... We've covered those who would be outside the race, the guy who wants to pursue his fleshly passions, his fleshly desires, the guy who just really doesn't care, he's not sincere, the guy who is, thinks he's intellectually superior, he doesn't need God, he knows better than God, not interested in running the race, the guy out here who thinks, well, this is all foolishness, it's just as good out here, you know, he's living in this dump and he thinks everything's fine, not so. Over here, you got the guy who says, Lord, Lord, he's not following Christ. He's not doing his will. He's not going to be in. You got the guy who's watching. He's not interested in it, but he notices there's something special here. You got the guy who wants to get in some other way, and you got the guy who's not willing to commit. They're all outside, but you got one more guy up here on the outside. Actually, you got a couple more. Whoops, let's get back. At the top of the screen, up here, we've got. The way that we get into the race, as we see in, listed out in the scriptures in multiple places, the idea that we need to hear the gospel, we need to believe it, Hebrews 11, verse 6. We need to repent, Luke 13, 3. We need to confess our faith, Romans 10, verse 10. We need to uh, be baptized uh, in order to be saved, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. But this guy up here says, you know what? He says, I'm thinking about it. That represents Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verse 28. You're not going to be in the race while you procrastinate, while you know what you need to do, but you're not willing to do it. You just procrastinate. In Acts chapter 26, verse 28. Acts 26, verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. 
Procrastinating is a terrible thing to do when it comes to religious matters. I've been told it's a terrible thing to do when it comes to honeydew list as well. I don't know about that, but I know for sure it's a bad thing to do in matters of religion. Agrippa procrastinated, and he is not a Christian as a result of it, at least the last we know. Then you got this other guy over here who you notice he's on the second step. He's heard and he's believed, and then he says, not necessary. He's not going all the way. He's not doing everything that Jesus said to do. And that, that, on the railing there beside that, you'll see in writing, it may be hard to read, is John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. John chapter 3, beginning of verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so this guy who says, Yeah, I don't believe all that the Bible teaches about what we need to do to be saved. Jesus says you can't enter the kingdom. You're not in the race at that point. And so I think we've covered everybody now that's not in the race. Now we're going to get to the folks that are in the race or at least started the race. And the guy over here, he's sort of standing over here with the spectators. And uh, he says above him, I've been baptized. He got, in the, he got in the race, but then he just stood still. And underneath that is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. But for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The idea is once you become a Christian, you're, you're not done, are you? You've got to keep on growing. Keep on adding to the, the, the things that you have in your life. Keep on trying to get better and better in your service to God. This guy got in the race, and he just sort of stood there. He became a spectator. That's not what God wants us to do. As we go on around the, the, the stadium here in the drawing, you see a guy who's laying out flat to temptation. And underneath that is 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. This man sinned. He was running the race, but he fell down. It's not the end of the race. It's not the end of the race. It's in the race if you stay laying down, but it's not if you get back up. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our, us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So we do sin from time to time. We can repent. We can get back up and run again. But we don't want to be like this guy here who's running the other way. And above him it says, I'm going back. 
Jesus talked about this uh, in uh, John chapter 6, verses 66 and through 69 there beside him. John 6, 66 through 69. John 6, beginning of verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so we can't turn around and go back. Many will. And we're going to observe that. If we, I'm sure many of us have already observed that. We're going to observe that throughout time. Many will just say, you know, enough of this and go back. We can't turn around and go back. And this is a race that we are to be running. And you'll see there's a guy on a bicycle who wants to look like he's running the race, but he's not. It's all for show. And beside that, you have Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 4. Matthew 23, 1 through 4. This is talking about folks who wanted to look like uh, what they were doing was good, but they weren't willing to put in the effort to be pleasing to God. Matthew 23, beginning verse 1. Matthew 23, beginning verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sat in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So they wanted to look like they were doing right. They wanted to be religious. But they weren't willing to put in the effort. And they weren't pleasing to God. The guy riding the bike isn't getting it done. And then you go a little bit farther to the right, and you see a guy who's underneath a shade tree. And under, above his head, it says, I'm tired. And it references Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 tells us we've got to keep on keeping on. It is going to be hard to run this race. It's going to be hard to be a Christian. It's not the easy way to live your life. It's going to be difficult. But we can't grow weary. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't grow weary. Keep on keeping on. And to the right of the guy under the tree, you see another guy who's trying to run, but this other guy behind him has got a cane and grabbing his leg out from underneath him. And that represents those who are hindered by others. Those who are trying to live like they should, but someone's putting a a hindrance in their way, who's discouraging them and making them stumble. Beside that man is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. And so Paul was going to be very careful. He didn't cause somebody to stumble. But there's going to be others who don't care about that. And they're going to do things that do cause others to stumble and there will be people who are stumbled and stumble who are not successful at running the race because of that. And then you got a guy up here who's dragging a couple balls and chains. And that goes back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 that we looked at earlier, where there are things that would keep us from running like we should, sin in our life, other distractions in our lives that would keep us from running the race successfully. This is a race, and nobody runs a race with extra weight on them. But 
we do sometimes as Christians try to carry sin and other things along with us. Also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so this guy's dragging the ball and chain. He'd be better off to cut that chain. He's not going to be successful running with that ball and chain. He can get rid of it, and he needs to do that. And then in the middle, you got some folks who aren't running either. There's no verse under them. I've got one for you, though, to add in. And one of the guys says it is not, and the other guy says it is, and they're coming to blows. And sadly, they're going to be Christians like that. Instead of running and working and being uh, fruitful for the Lord, they choose to get out of the race and start hitting and fighting with each other with other Christians. And you might write under that Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. When we're fighting with each other over things that are not significant, we're not running the race. Galatians 5, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, there are things that we need to stand firm on. Paul, we just learned about him in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15. He took a stand for what was right. But he wasn't fighting over petty things that were insignificant. And many times we see Christians who fight over petty things that are insignificant. And then finally tonight, the guy that we want to be is the guy here in the snazzy yellow shirt. And he's under the finish line here. And it has on the finish line, on the flag, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And here Paul says, I, fought, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul had finished his race, and we can as well. And we must if we're going to be pleasing to God. Well, again, I don't want to just belabor the fact with these, but I thought that was a very clever way to visualize certain aspects of our lives. And I uh, thought that the, the, the preacher had done a, a good job putting that chart together as we think about our lives as Christians. What about you tonight? How are you running the race? Are you even running? Or are you like the, the guy on the sidelines who says, yeah, I'm almost ready to start running? Or are you like the guy who got in the race and he just stood, down, stood there and said, I'm good enough? Or the guy who got tired and quit? Are there things in our lives that we need to change so we can run more efficiently and more effectively? If there's anything we need to, that you need to do to, to, to change spiritually, and if there's anything we can do to help with that, let us know while we stand and sing.